Hello and welcome to the Farm Forum with FCN Glasgow, forum which could tell you the price of a flight from Glasgow to Kazakhstan, Israel in July to the nearest pound. This week on Farm Forum... Hi and welcome to the Farm Forum with FCN Glasgow. My name is Mark Collins and I'm once again joined by my colleague and co-host Stephen Gilliland. Hi Mark, thanks for having me back on again. Good to have you back Stephen. Stephen had a little hiatus whilst he was uh, cruising Scandinavia which involved a little impromptu trip to Farham Stephen. Yeah it was excellent so um, we jumped up to to Farham the day we were in Copenhagen, um, had a wee look about the stadium and, and it was brilliant, it was a really good day. Good stuff, good stuff. Well, guys, we're here today. We've had a little hiatus from the pod for a while, but mainly that's because we have been looking to consolidate our thoughts on the season that's just gone by, 17-18, which finished, as we all desperately hoped, with us securing third place, bronze, and also qualification for Europa. Stephen, before we go actually break down the season, uh, we stumbled a little bit across the line, but got there in the end, and an, an unbelievable season overall. Yeah, I think the way the season started surprised pretty much everyone. I think with the the summer departures, we lost um, some of our best players, didn't seem to, to replace anything and looked to promote within and started the the season extremely well off the back of that. Yeah, I, th- I think when you, when you wind the clock back and, and you look at what maybe this time last year, what your thoughts were ahead of the 17-18 season and... Not unexpectedly, but you're looking at uh, guys like uh, Stan Lobotka, obviously, leaving, um, who was an integral part of that team, um, who had kicked on for a top six place the season before. You're looking at your, obviously, top goal scorer. We've mentioned him numerous times across the pods that we've been doing. Um, Marcus Ingvartsen, you're losing him, not just the club's top goal scorer, but the Super League's top goal scorer. And then not too long into the season, you're losing your captain and sort of defensive rock, Andreas Maxo. So, when when you're looking at that twelve months ago, what 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 were your expectations going into that season? Are you, are you, are you looking at a again a repeat of the year before and and try and creep into the top six? I certainly didn't think that we were going to to perform any better than we did the season before, uh, and I think that's mainly down to the departures, um, and then also down to to me probably not understanding the uh, the process well enough. So Hulman managed to get much more out of the players that were already there. Um, and we've seen players like, I mean, Emiliano absolutely took off in the first six months. Um, we had Cawford come into the team and really push on. You had Jensen um, turn into um, to the player that, that, that we've seen for the rest of this season. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right, because this is probably us, as, as the more mature fans we become of, of Norseland or the more times we see them year after year, you start to see exactly what the, the, the process is, what the methodology is. Um, Jensen, when he broke into the team alongside a guy like Stano, played uh, 
maybe 10, 15 games, started to show what he was about and then just takes Stano's mantle when he leaves. And you mentioned Kofod there, who we'll probably touch on quite a lot throughout this pod on Kofod, but he was the next guy to step up once um, Labotka's away and Jensen's looking for a, a midfield partner. But Stephen, you mentioned um, not so long ago there that uh, we got off to an absolute flyer, which uh, I think it involved winning something like five out of our first six games, including wins at home to Bronby and Copenhagen. Um, most of that down to the form of Emiliano Marcondes. Yeah, so uh, Marcondes, once Invartsen left, could move into the position that I think um, Marcondes wanted to play. And you're probably selling him a bit short, saying it was a, a false nine position because um, essentially he played everywhere. Um, he covered so much ground and was seemed to be in a purple patch for months. He didn't miss a game as well. I was, once I was looking at the statistical side of uh, Marcondes, he, he actually didn't miss a game um, all season in the league. He played all 19 and obviously until he departed and for Brentford in, in January, but he played all 19 games and up until uh, the last couple of weeks of the season, I think you mentioned it Stephen on the previous episode that up until the last couple of weeks of the season he was still a top goal scorer in the league and he actually matched uh, Timo Puke who obviously had the full season at Bromby uh, with 17 Super League goals so scored got 7 in against us I think oh, I think so yeah we've, we've covered that in lots of detail um, but I think uh, Emiliano just um, like we are talking about Jensen stepping to the fore I think Emiliano done that and then some interestingly over and above the goals that he produced um, he was obviously creating a lot of uh, chances and goals for, for Northland in the first half of the season as well to the point that what I hadn't noticed um, before is that the, the season prior Emiliano hadn't set up one single goal in the entire Superliga so he went from having no assists to having something the best part of near 10 I think by the time he left so contributing not only in terms of goals but also in creation as well and with him leaving Stephen, I think it's fair to say, um, again, talking about expectations, I think your expectations dip again um, as a result of losing the player of a calibre like that. But I think it's fair to say that the form um, this time, unlike the start of the season, I think the form dipped with the expectations this time. Yeah, so I think we struggled for form um, the second half of the season. I think some of that is down to the fact that Macondes left. Um, I think some of that is also down to Godsway's injury as well. Um, I think had you lost Marcondes and then you were able to put someone like Godsway into that position, it, it would make a big difference. Not only you losing Marcondes, but with Godsway's injury, a lot of the onus goes on to a guy like Ernest Asante, who we, we, we've sort of got mixed opinions on Asante. I, I know um, you're perhaps a, a, a bigger fan of him than I, and it's not that I don't like Asante. I just, uh, he can be a frustrating player at times with he's not very clinical and um, what I noticed actually is he, despite pitching in with a, a 16 goal um, tally this year again which is which is excellent but um, his expected goals um, is actually the second highest in Super League which probably doesn't surprise me in terms of the amount of chances he missed but um, for a guy with 16 goals a season you, you do feel as if he could really push 30 with the amount of chances he missed I, I think you need to be realist so you're right I'm probably in the complete opposite spectrum from you in, in terms of with um with my thoughts on Asante um, I, I think with players like Asante you need to take the rough with the smooth I suppose um, the guy is lightning fast and probably has a really high expected goals and gets in these positions down to being so quick and, and causing problems he actually probably scores the more difficult chances as he opposed does. to the easier ones um, would, would he be one of your contenders for, for the year? 
It, probably not. Uh, to to be honest, um, I, I think he's had a had a pretty good season, but I think there are several other players that I think have contributed a little bit more. Yeah, there's probably a few candidates this year. I think in the past, um, certainly looking back, probably since we started following, there was always a, a sort of one standout player and, and, and made it quite an obvious choice. And maybe some could argue that's the same again this year. I, I don't personally think so. But what I mean is that back in sort of 2014-15, and you're looking at guys like Fabek being a standout. Then the following season, you're looking at guys like Bruninho having a really obvious season over and above everyone else. Whereas I think you've got far more contributors nowadays. Um, I personally. Um, was quite torn when I was trying to pick my player of the season because we've spoken about him at length so far it's it's really really difficult to overlook the contribution of Marcondes despite the fact that he's obviously only played half a season um, in the end I opted for Matej Jensen he's, as we know we, we wax lyrical about him on a regular basis but I think his contribution obviously across the whole season both in terms of his goals this year as well I think he reached double figures which um, I appreciate he started taking penalties towards the end of the season but I think only out of his 10 goals or 11 uh, goals this season in Superliga I think only a couple of them are penalties so there's, there's no taking away from that and also he was one of the, the top in Superliga I think probably just behind Jacob Paulson with regards to assists so I think Stephen for me my player of the year for 17-18 uh, would be Matej Jensen and I know the Wild Tigers agreed I noticed they got a presentation on the pitch um, in the last home game against Copenhagen what, what about yourself are you side with me on the split between Marcondes and Jensen or are you bringing anyone else into the fold um, so I think I, w- I would have a an honourable mention, I suppose, for 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 Minnie. I, th- I think Minnie's had um, an excellent season, and I think when you look at the growth of Minnie across the the past couple of seasons, um, I think it's remarkable. I really hope that we can hold on to him for for a little bit longer, but um, I, I'm a, a wee bit afraid that that, that ship's probably sailed. Um, in terms of who I would who the vote would go to, I think it probably needs to go to to Matthias Jensen. I would also say that Marcondes has, has had a great season as well, but with him only being here for, for, for half the season, I think Jensen will just kind of nick that. Yeah, that, that, that is definitely similar to the conclusion I came to. Um, I feel like Jensen, and, and just to talk a little bit on just how quickly he's matured, I think we spoke one of the last times that I think Matthias Jensen only touched his 50th game for FCN um, this season. 50 games of professional football is not an awful lot. One of his key assets to me that you just, if even if you just overlook his goals, his assists, his use of the ball, is um, good players look as if they've got all day on the ball. And Matthias Jensen's one of them. Game can be going 100 miles an hour round about them, but he just looks as if he's got so much time on the ball, which he doesn't have. He just makes it look that way, just his composure and elegance. So I think it's a clean sweep as far as Jensen goes for player of the year between ourselves and Wild Tigers then. Um, what, about, what about young player of the year, Stephen? It's maybe maybe a bit of a difficult one because a lot of the players, you could probably argue in some circles that Matthias Jensen is a, is a young player, but um, if we take Jensen as, as being ineligible for that criteria, um, young player of the year, I am debated between two. Um, we spoke about him slightly earlier. I think Kofod's had a, had a great introduction season into Superliga. I think he's quite understated and I'm hoping that he is the progress that Jensen has in, in his kind of breakthrough season as well. But I thought he had an excellent um, year and I think Mother Contender, who I thought um, had a good year overall, but I thought particularly in the in the last three months or since probably since the, the winter break, um, was Victor Nelson. I think Victor Nelson really showed some signs of maturity at places at uh, parking. So, for example, the game, okay, it didn't it turn out very well in the end when Santander scores the last-minute goal, but I thought Victor Nelson was an absolute rock that day. Um, just mops up absolutely everything in the centre and big shoes to fill when he, when he 
taking the place of Andreas Maxwell in that, in that centre of defence. So they were the two that I was debating on this. I don't think I quite decided who I would go for yet, so I'll sit on the fence on this one and, and, and try and pass that on to you. So, again, I probably have a, an honourable mention for another person that probably didn't play enough games this season, um, but, but Jonathan Amon is has had a great season, and I think... Uh, particularly towards the end of the season there he looked unplayable most games I'd probably give a wee shout out to him however I, I, I find it difficult to see beyond Cofford for the player of the season just just for consistency I'd be interested to see how many minutes Cofford's played this year um, I feel as if every single game I've, I, I've seen him yeah he is he's been an ever present and I have to say um, I know that is the philosophy of FCN and they, they do obviously bleed their youngsters and give them a chance but uh, you need to remember he's, he's kept guys like Lassa Petra and Mazequist and uh, Mikel Rigar and all these guys out of the team for a long time so um, that that takes a bit of doing and um, I've got real high hopes for him um, next season which we'll go on to, to later but I've got real high hopes that he kicks on and develops in a similar way that um, Matthias Jensen did, maybe not the same type of player but in terms of the same type of impact Joe you know interesting with, with Kofod actually, I, I feel as if he is a more forward thinking player who can't do that just now uh, because of Jensen I, I, I think he is playing in, in what we would call six just now and I think he's more of an eight I'd be really interested to see Kofod a little bit further forward and see what he can bring there I think that's a great shout because again to make the comparison with Matthias Jensen um, when Matthias Jensen and Stano played together um, Stano was more of the creator in terms of the making things happen and he was particularly in terms of second assists or the assist of the assist um, Stano was the highest in the team and, and Jensen was up there but he, he wasn't perhaps the most creative he didn't offer too much in terms of goals when he was alongside Stano I know he scored on um, his debut when we were in Farham against Ranners but the the goals weren't quite there for him, so yeah, I think that's a great shout that Kofod maybe maybe if you put a natural number six next to him, then maybe he's got a bit more license to get forward and, and start to get a bit more creative and and maybe pitch him with a few goals as well. I think whilst we're covering the season, Stephen, and we've spoke about expectations and, and we, we're talking about how we didn't really feel too optimistic at the start of the season. So when you flip that now and you, and you look to the end of the season and we've secured third place, you've got to take a hat off to Casper Yeomand and, and the job that, he, that he's done with the team, um, not just in terms of performance on the park, but the way he seems to develop these young boys off the park as well. Yeah, I don't think I'm ever going to doubt anything that Casper Hillman does again I think it's an extraordinary season that we've had when you look at the players we've lost where we finished and actually I think when you look at the the last game um, at home to to TFCK that's a type of game that if you'd asked me last season we'd go in and lose um, to have that nil-nil grinding out result um, is something that this squad has started to get that was the last two games of the season were nil nil. I couldn't remember the last time I'd ever seen an FCN nil nil. But you're right that last two games of the season, very stuffy performances, not much going forward, which obviously unlike us. Yeah, definitely. I, th- I think that's it's deliberate. I, I don't think it's something that that's happened and we just struggled to break people down. I, I think we went out and Copenhagen had to, and we didn't. And I think we got the result that we needed. And that's something that I've probably been quite critical of us in the past. I feel as if we just out and play feels if we went out that with a with a real plan and, and, and really stifled them which was really good to see and I know a nil nil match with not really much happening in it people people normally don't enjoy but I thoroughly enjoyed um, the, the last game of the season for obvious reasons but yeah it was 
by any means necessary. That was the job. The, the job was to stop them winning. Um, and I know it's not normal the way we approach games, as you say, but at the end of the day, we, we met our objective, which was qualifying for the the Europa League so credit to the boys credit to Casper it's been it's been an unbelievable season I have to put my hands up and say I didn't think we would be able to top the season before it was one of my most favourite um, supporting FCN but to the point I almost had to give myself a slap mid-season when my, I was starting to get a bit carried away and, and I was losing perspective than the fact that when you started losing um, the lead at the top you started to get a little bit downbeat but when you, when you step back and look at that um we, we had no right to, to be sitting expecting the, basically the, the second youngest team in Europe, certainly the youngest team in Denmark, to be sitting uh, top of the league and, and expecting them to go on and, and win the championship. So I think being realistic, you've got to say it's a, a more than acceptable season and credit to the boys um, for that. I don't want to focus too much on, on um, what went wrong, Stephen, but I, I, we've spoke about it across every single pod, I think, around some defensive frailties, and we, we very much have the mentality of um, we'll score more than you. Basically, that seems to be the approach. Um, there's actually not too many teams in Super League who have conceded more than us, but obviously our attacking threats have outweighed that. But you still um, sign up to the school of thought that defence is definitely an area of improvement for next season. Yeah, so I think consistency is the is the thing I would look at with the with the defensive partnerships. I think we probably disagree in terms of which defenders we would play. Yeah. I'm much more uh, partial to a, a more physical defender, whereas I think you're probably well. I'm 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 all for physicality. I'm not sure we've got many of of those types of players, but it's interesting. I just wanted to touch on this. You you had mentioned them um, in, in previous um, pods that we've done around. You didn't feel that. Gaspar Yeoman maybe knew who his best defenders were and, and or whether that was the back three or whether it was the back four you didn't feel as if he'd really settled um, on a partnership so I had a little bit of a look into this and throughout the season FCN used 13 different partnerships um, across the course of the season now some of them varied in terms of the minutes played some of them only maybe played together for 45 minutes so won't spend too much time focusing on them but if I had to give you a guess as to who the, the most successful partnership was now I'll tell you how I judged success and uh, the criteria that I was looking at so with all the partnerships I looked at how many points Norseland took during the games that they played together and I looked at how many goals they actually conceded so I'll give you a little bit of a hint in the sense that the top in terms of points per 90 minutes was a back three and goals conceded per 90 minutes in terms of the lowest goals conceded per 90 minutes was also a back three so if you had to pick three individuals let's start with points per 90 minutes top three who would you guess would be in that back three so definitely Nelson um, because I think he has been probably one of the only guys that's been ever present so I'd imagine Nelson would be there he is he is present in not only the top he is present in the top three for each category uh, I would also go a little bit more out of left field here and you'll probably disagree with me but I would say Tiedemann is probably in the most successful category Interesting, you are absolutely spot on Now this one took me by real surprise I'm, Again, don't want to sound like I'm hypercritical here I'm not the biggest fan of Tiedemann Hansen I don't think he's left too much of an impact I thought he's gave away some sort of sloppy goals and he's also gave away a couple of cheap penalties throughout the season But yes, Tiedemann Hansen is in the 
top defenders, if you like, for points per 90 minutes. So our best back three in terms of points per 90 minutes is Tiedemann Hansen, Victor Nelson, and one more man. So it'll be someone left-sided. Um, so it'll be Big Ulrich or Patrick. It's Patrick Emteliga. And in terms of goals conceded per 90, the top three is slightly different. Um, it, when Casper switched this sort of favour towards, he, like you said there, he, he normally prefers a right-foot, left-footed balance, but he switched it for a little while just after the winter break when he moved Big Ulrich over to the right-hand side. So in terms of goals conceded per 90 minutes, Ulrich, Nelson and Andre Skovgar are the top in terms of that they have only conceded 1.07 goals per 90 minutes um, which is, is the best I know that still seems like a lot conceding a goal a game but that's the best in terms of the number of goals conceded with regards to the number of points like we said it was Tiedemann, Nelson and Patrick M. Taliga uh, in the matches they played together which was around best part of 426 minutes so that's a, a considerable am- amount and um, they averaged 2.75 points per 90 minutes so almost one every single game that they were they were together which is quite an impressive feat can i just check when the when that stretch of games was with that back three well the presence of empty liga certainly suggests that it was it was pre-winter break and obviously Ulrich not being there pre-winter break so I think if I can remember rightly, it was basically it wasn't the start of the season either because Maxwell was obviously a, a kind of present for the first couple of games. So you, you're basically talking the sort of middle of the autumn season, really. Yes, that was a pretty tough stretch of games, I suppose, around about that time. And I think um, actually looking at that there, that looks to be a time where we were just we tried to be as consistent as we could with the players we were playing. So it looks like we we're a little bit more settled there, which kind of plays into the consistency point that you made earlier on. One of those games would have been FCK away in parking, obviously a 3-1 victory, um, albeit Hansen gave away a penalty, which uh, I won't dwell too much on. Yeah, so I'm going to leap to the defensive of, of Hansen again. Um, I'd mentioned in one of the, one of, I think it was the first pod actually, that Hansen had impressed me in terms of the, how much he'd improved since I'd first seen him. And I'm just glad that the, the stats seem to be showing that a little bit as well. Yeah, they do. They, they bail you out a wee bit. They prove me a little bit wrong. Um, uh, so um, I'm happy to be proved wrong as long as he's performing well. But Stephen, not not just on the park success um, this year, a lot of stuff to be proud of off the park as well. The club have obviously started a, a girls' academy and obviously we became the first club to join One Matters Common Goal as well. And I, I don't think that latter part should be overlooked in terms of uh, being the first club that that wasn't a snap decision by either ourselves or Common Goal. I believe we've been we've been chosen as a result of the way we go about things and our values and how we try and develop players and characters and all the stuff we've spoken about before. I don't think that's just a sign a sheet and be part of Common Goal. I think that's a deliberate decision on Common Goal's part. Would you say? Yeah, I think it is, and I think it's down to to, to the work that that we do at the club. Um, as we'd mentioned earlier, I went on a um, I went into Farum for a little bit last week. And I was really impressed with pretty much everyone I spoke to. Um, it was all about character um, and development of the, the of the players as people, as opposed to just them as as football players, um, which is something you don't see in every club. No, you don't. And it was very something that was very prevalent in Tom Vernon's statement when he when he was sort of looking at the the performance of the club, both from a kind of on the pitch, off the pitch, and financial um, perspective. But he was very clear about obviously how proud he is of the work in the academies and, and development of these, these young lads which which looks set to continue uh, when, you, when you read his statement Stephen um, Tom Vernon had mentioned that 
Um, and it's no surprise he, he was very honest about it before but he, he's basically aimed to have a, a full academy based team uh, in the next uh, two to three years that would be the, the kind of ideal scenario so it sort of leads us nicely onto this idea of looking as to what the season 18-19 looks like for us unlike Scotland where there's obviously a kind of longer break we don't actually have that long to wait the fixtures are, are already out in terms of the fact that obviously the boys will be involved in the Europa draw which takes place on June the 20th cannot wait to, to find out who we get for that and spend all of the next day on Skyscanner figuring out how to get to Kazakhstan or wherever it is we're going to be going and then three days after that we're, we're starting the Superliga campaign again so I just wanted to have a look at this Stephen and, and transfer windows are an uncomfortable time for a Norseland fan they, um, there's likely to be lots of interest in our, in our players so I, sort of, I kind of just want to have a little bit of a breakdown um, of the squad the way it is just now and maybe get your views as to as to who you think might be moving on and, and whether there's anyone um, that you feel could, we could replace them with that's either internally or externally by the way if there's any guys that you feel as if we could sign from other clubs as well so if, if we just start Stephen in terms of the goalkeeping position it seems like the most obvious position to start sadly the, the, the last few days um, I've noticed a bit of comment in the press certainly in Denmark around Alex Runnerson who's obviously got the shirt just now and he seemed to suggest that perhaps he expects to maybe leave in the summer. I know he's obviously in Russia for the World Cup, but um, that one came out of left field a little bit for me. I probably wasn't expecting that. Yeah, I actually probably think he could do with another season, getting the number one jersey with us. I actually think Alex is is a really good goalkeeper and is pretty well-rounded. I had seen on Twitter the other day there was someone who had done lots of work on, on statistics on goalkeepers for... Um, for the Super League and Alex doesn't come out of it looking great but, but in his defence I, I struggle with goalkeeping stats because I think it's a lot to do with with the defence you have in front of you I think this season it would have been much easier to be Bromby's goalkeeper as opposed to as opposed to ours Yeah I think that's valid when you're looking at goalkeeper stats because as much as I love the analytical side goalkeepers are actually I don't really look at them too much and it's, it's just because I feel as if there's so many variables with a goalkeeper like you said and that um, they're notoriously bad for them from a statistical point of view because a lot of it depends on where the shots have been taken, whether the shot was opposed or unopposed um, by the form of the defence, or who's actually taking the shot. It's important as well when you think about it. They could be centre forwards or it could be centre halves who are a bit got a bit of a nosebleed being that up. So it's not really a, a area I spend too much attention on, but. If Alex does actually leave the club in in the summer, um, obviously we've got a couple of internal options in the form of Peter Vindel Jensen and Nikolai Larson is yep, the goalkeeper as well. Larson, yeah. um, do, you, do you feel any of them would would, would fill the, the gloves, or do you, do you feel maybe we'll be looking externally for a replacement for Alex? Well, I've got, I've got a feeling that's why Nikolai Larson's at the club. So, so Nikolai Larson's a really experienced goalkeeper, pretty good pedigree, pretty good reputation. I would be really surprised if we looked to get another goalkeeper in if, if, if he's sitting there. He seems um, like the obvious choice, doesn't he? He's, yeah. a, he's actually got a lot of experience in, in Superliga with Albor before he came to ourselves, so it certainly seems like the natural choice. Although, a, a word for Peter Vindel Jensen in the sense that he was off training with the national team um, just as a part of a kind of World Cup warm-up. I think they call a few youth players into the squad and um, well done to, to Peter for being involved in that group, but... I've got to agree with you in the sense that it feels like uh, Nikolai Larson's probably the most obvious choice. don't think he's the same type of keeper as Alex. I think you've got a guy who perhaps isn't as comfortable with his feet as Alex, which will be interesting to see how that translates. But I certainly expect him to, if Alex does go, obviously, to, to get the closer for first day of the season. I, I think a goalkeeper's a really difficult position to recruit 
externally because it, it takes a while for a goalkeeper to get used to style of play, get used to the back four, back back three, whoever it is we've got, and get used to the, the, the playing experience there. So I think it's always better if we're, if we're looking at goalkeepers to look at internal. Definitely. And so if we move forward the park then and we, we, we go with the, with the centre-halves um, we've spoke about them at length there so I, I won't dwell on this too much because I don't know about you Stephen I don't expect too much movement in terms of the centre-halves I'm not really, really expecting many outgoings I think maybe a couple of weeks ago I perhaps thought that Victor Nelson might move on but he seems to have made a few noises that he's pretty comfortable where he is and, and expects to be in Farham next season which is obviously great news for us Excellent, so, so Victor Nelson is... Um his fast became one of my favourite players at the club. I think he's really moved into the centre half role very, very well. What I would like to see is do next season with it with the back three is just stick to a back three, stick to the back the, the exact same players and, and get a little bit of consistency. Whether that's Tiedemann, Nelson, Ulrich. Ulrich, whether that's Tranbear, Nelson, Ulrich, whoever it is, I, I would like to see. I, I think with that five, we've probably got what we need. We just need to. Uh, pick three of them and stay pick with three it. Them and stick with it, yeah. I think we, the the next position I'm going to move on to is probably for well, for two reasons. One, I think it's going to be two empty shirts come uh, maybe not the first day of the season, but certainly not too far into it. But secondly, with your point there when you go on a back three, because I think it alters the type of player that you're looking for if in terms of the the full back positions, if you want to call them that. With the back three, you're perhaps looking for a different type of player in terms of a more offensive type of player than you were if you were for a back four. Um, you're maybe looking for your fullbacks to be a bit more on the defensive side. But I think it's fair to say there'll be a lot of interest in both of our fullbacks this summer, and I would be very surprised to see either of them in the team for too long at the start of the season. So we'll, we'll start with um, Bartow on the right. Firstly, do you, do you agree with my opinion that he's probably likely to move on? And, and secondly, who would you be looking to maybe um, fill his shoes next year? Uh, I, th- I think it's pretty likely that, that, that Bartow will move. I think he started the season extremely well and probably fell out it a little bit probably the exact opposite of Mini to be honest I think Mini's stock is really high at the end of this season I think Bartle kind of fell out it a little bit towards the end of the season I think fullbacks are really a really easy position to promote from within um, I think particularly if we're playing a back three they have less responsibility going back the way so if it's a younger fullback it's not as important um, so I would fully expect Emil Damgaard to come in and play right back that you were a guy, and I know he came into the team certainly um, after the winter break against Sondersjusk. My only, my only concern that I think he played left side that day, but I, I know he does play both sides of the park. Um, um, I'm not sure I fancy him there for um, the majority of the season. But that said, I, I don't know unless you obviously look externally um, who within the club is uh, is naturally going to step up into the right back position. I think we're more suited at the left hand side, which we'll move on to now than, than we are at right back. So I think right back is certainly an area that um, I would be looking at recruitment. I know again it contradicts what Tom Vernon's statement said that he was wasn't looking to be too busy in the transfer window, but I feel like right back is one of the key key positions we're going to need to to look to strengthen. But in terms of left back, you mentioned Emil Damgar who can obviously play there. We also have Martin Frisa who can play that side is my understanding. He's obviously very unfortunate being out uh, significant length of time with injury but my understanding is he's now back and I kind of forgotten man Stephen as well who I, I think is probably going to stake a claim for this jersey if many obviously does move on fingers crossed we get to see more of many but if not um, Patrick De Silva yeah so um, I think Patrick De Silva will, will definitely be the option once many moves on if he does um, I think Patrick De Silva is another one with a great reputation who's, who's just struggled to stay fit 
So if, if we can get Patrick De Silva really fit and, and back to his best, then then I think it makes a lot of sense for him to move in at that position. I think I think fitness is the key thing with Silva. You touched on it there. Um, where we did see him this season, um, I actually thought he'd done a really really decent job. I remember one game at home. Uh, I think the team the team it was against escapes me. I think it might have been Ranas where we were chasing the game and Casper Yeomans made two changes. Um, one of them was to bring on Patrick De Silva. And he set up both goals. I think it was one for Ernest Asante, and I think it was Baden's first goal as well. Um, Stephen, the other guy I'll mention in dispatches is um, obviously Tom Vernon has mentioned that as part of the sort of promotion from within. Um, there's going to be three guys from Right to Dream who will be part of the Super League squad uh, next year. Now, one of them is in the position we're talking about, so it seems sensible to chat about him now. Um, is, is Clinton Antwi now? I can't say I know too much about him, but my understanding um, from talking to one of the guys involved at Right to Dream is that he's very similar to many in nature in terms of how he plays, and also that he's been involved in the 19s. So maybe could you see a situation where maybe Patrick De Silva starts the season um, holding down that jersey and, and Antwi starts to maybe put him under pressure towards the, the middle of the season? Possibly, yeah. Um, as I, I probably know less about um, the right to dream graduates than than, than you, to be honest. I, I just think fullback is a position, um, particularly within our team. If you're playing a back three, um, I think it's a really low risk position to be playing the younger guys in. Yeah, yeah, and I, th- I think that's probably what you will see. Like I said, I think the recruitment will be minimal. Um, one area I, I feel that I personally feel that recruitment is is, is necessary. Um, I'm not sure it will actually take place but one area I do feel recruitment is necessary is the middle of the field not because we are short in numbers you've obviously got options there we've spoke about Kofod who I think will be a big part next season you've obviously got Nicholas Strunk coming up as well he um, featured a little bit towards the end of the season and obviously grabbed his first goal but when you lose a player like Matthias Jensen and what he brings to the team I can't help but feel that if you don't have a natural replacement to offer you that, you might need to go out and get yourself one. And my worry, particularly if you lose guys like Barto and Mini, is the creativity element is, is my big concern. And if it's not coming from wide areas, I feel like central area of the park is very important. So I'm going to break this down into two sort of areas. Um, I feel, and we've spoken about it at length, that Norseland could do with a more natural number six type so a guy who breaks up play wins the ball back interceptions defensive duels that type of thing and then to complement that I feel as if you're maybe looking at a guy like um, to replace Jensen so what I did see with this particular area of the park is um, I started to look a little bit externally now I will caveat this before I get accused of going all hipster on you and that um, a lot of the guys that I'm about to mention just now I've, I've not actually seen in the flesh in terms of I've not watched them over a period of the game but it was just that they stuck out from a statistical point of view that made that kind of captured my attention and I just had a, a little bit of a look at them and it's a, it's a market that um, we're actually familiar with it's uh, two guys from uh, Trenchin in Slovakia um, do you remember who we signed from there previously? Stano Stano, that was the grant yep, Stano went from Ajax to um, trenching, but it's, it's two guys in the middle of the park there. Um, I encourage you guys, there's, there's YouTube clips out there, and I know they can make anyone look like a player, but I would encourage anyone out there to have a look at these couple of guys. Um, and again, I have to say, I've absolutely no idea um, what type of fee they would command, what, what their, their stock is in that respect, but statistically, they stood out an absolute mile in a market that we've already been successful with. So um, keep an eye on guys. It's Desley Ubink. 
who is a sort of Dutch um, central midfield player, very much in the mould, creation of chances, goals, assists, that type of thing. And on the more defensive side, a guy called Ashraf El Madui, um, like I say, both from Trenching, um, not pretending to be a scout or in the know in any way, shape or form, but these guys stood out an absolute mile in terms of uh, their uh, midfield in their own league. One guy, Stephen, who has actually been spoken about in dispatches as the result of the fact that he may be likely to leave FCK, a rather controversial character in William Quist. Um, and we're going to do our Ernest Asante here and completely disagree with each other, but uh, what, what would your thoughts on that be? So I've already disagreed with, with most people on this. Um, so I have two options that I, that I would quite like us to have a look at. Um, in the middle of the park because I feel as if we need um, someone that makes the game difficult for other people um, so I think we're really good at playing our own game and going out and, and doing what we want to do I don't think we do enough of, of, of spoiling and enough of uh, getting in the way if William Kvist is available I would 100% be looking at taking him now I understand you'll disagree with this on a on a personal level. I will disagree with it. You're right. <laughs> um, however, for all the reasons that you hate William Fist, are the reasons that you would love William Fist and your team. I just, I just, I, I get what you're saying in terms of that. That type of player is, is a guy that the, the fans love, but I just cannot picture a scenario where I'm, I'm actually supportive of William Fist. He's just, he's just an odious character that I've absolutely no time for whatsoever he used to kick lumps out of Emiliano Marcondes and I get what you're saying when he plays for you, you you like that character but I just cannot find a situation where I feel as if I'm going to be supportive of that type of guy So again I disagree Um, so I think if you speak to any FCK fan, don't don't do it in the dark I suppose, um, but if you speak to any FCK fan about Emiliano Marcondes, they'll probably tell you the exact same thing. So Emiliano Marcondes, for the reason I loved Emiliano Marcondes uh, in particular, was his competitive streak and the fact that he had a bit of that edge in him. I get that William Chris has been at FCK for about 15 years, probably winding every FCN fan up, up during that time. I just think if you've got the opportunity to get a Denmark international who has proven that he can do it at this league, at this level, into your team, I just think you take it. A Denmark international who, by the way, should not should not be in the World Cup squad, just my own opinion. I agree with having that type of player, I'm just not sure he's the right individual for for that particular role. And again, I wanted to have a look at um, some other guys. And on this particular player that I'm about to mention, Stephen, I'm, I'm really, really keen to hear from people in Denmark. So I'm looking at the likes of you, Martin, I'm looking at Kaspar, I'm looking at Lassa, all these guys who know far more about Danish football than I do. Two years now, when I've been looking at analytics for FC Norseland, I have spotted the name of a guy called Jeppe Groning, who plays for Viborg, and he just he, I don't know anything about the guy, I do not remember seeing him even when we played Viborg in the season before they get relegated, but he absolutely sticks out like a sore thumb as far as the kind of defensive-minded midfielder players goes. So I'd be really interested to hear what you guys say in, in terms of Groning's performances, because just looking at him statistically in comparison to guys like Fist, comparison like guys like Erasmus Works, and looking at obviously internal guys like Kofod, he absolutely trounces them in terms of the number of defensive duels won, the number of aerial duels won, the number of interceptions per 90 minutes. 
all the defensive stuff. Fouls per 90, loves a tackle by the sounds of this guy. So I'd just be really interested to hear your thoughts on him, obviously because I, I, I don't just judge guys based on their statistics. I, I'd like to, them to pass the eye test too. So please get in touch and let me know what you think about uh, Yepi Grinning, please. Um, I'd, be, I'd be interested to hear. Stephen, in terms of the, the next area of the park then, we're, we're basically looking at the, the sort of front three. Um, again, we've got a lot of bodies that probably remain. Just quickly, I don't necessarily have any uh, names in mind, but just quickly, if I was being really greedy, I feel as if I would like a central striker um, in terms of recruitment this year. So I've got two options here. I would either like to see Godsway get an extended run through the middle or see someone like Baden come in and get a, and, and get a run in the team there. Or look to look, look to recruit. I just think again, I would just rather we picked someone to play there and played them. I think that's in our position where we've been a little bit inconsistent and we've tried several different people there. Um, I'd quite like us just to just to make a choice there and, and go with them and, and, and stick with them for a while and see how that goes. Well, do you know, Gosby isn't a guy I actually considered until you just mentioned it there because one of the problems Gosby is going to have next season is in terms of playing the left side of the striker. You've got to feel that Jonathan Amon is probably going to command that position more regularly, so maybe the more natural position for Godsway is to play as a central striker. It'd be interesting to see um, how he did there. Obviously, you've got Mikhail Danskar who will come in and again he'll play that sort of um, false nine position in the central area. I'm still not convinced that's his, his best area of the park, but um, he's certainly a player with loads of talent that I'm keen to see in the team most weeks. And just to throw another couple of names in, Stephen, obviously you've got Ernest DeSanti who we spoke about, so I won't repeat him, him but again, back on the Right to Dream side of things, uh, there's going to be two graduates from the Right to Dream involved in the attacking positions, namely Ibrahim Sadiq and Mohamed Kouros. Now, Kouros is a guy who I believe is very highly thought of within FCN and I think probably the big hope as far as the Right to Dream Academy goes. We've got a little bit of a glimpse of him in La Manga, obviously, in the, the, the kind of mid-season break and he looked apart I've got to say I can't remember what team it was against but um, again he played that sort of almost kind of number 10 false 9 position and he caused all sorts of problems and actually set up a goal for Toby uh, in that match so I think he's probably the one that they, they have the highest hopes for so I wouldn't be too pr- too surprised to see him feature him in the Super League maybe more so than some of the other Right to Dream guys I'm going to put you on the spot here Stephen and I'm going to ask if you had one position to fill this summer, only one player in terms of being recruited. Um, what position would you pick and do you have any names in mind as who it would be? Yeah, so for me it would be middle of the park, um, more defensively minded um, and I'd be between two. So it would either be William Christ or Rasmus Watts that I'd pick up. Don't at me. My issue with Watts, again, I get the, the idea of the player. Age, slight concern, but I, I do get what you're saying around that type of player. Um, for myself, I think it's a weird one because if you'd asked me 12 months ago, I would have mentioned three guys who are completely out of our possibility now. Um, the three guys I would have mentioned, one of them would have been a great fit, um, is Jens Martin Gamelby, who plays the right side for Silkeborg, and he is a player that I'd mentioned with a guy on Twitter um, probably at this point last year in terms of a Bartlett replacement. He would have been an ideal scenario, but I can't have him now because he's just joined Brondby. So... The other two players are more attack-minded players. Um, Anders Dreyer, who's a player that um, had went down into Division 1 this year and he's had an unbelievable season. He's scored loads of goals, which probably means that he is ruled out of a move to us. I'm, I'm sure his price tag probably rules rules us out in terms of a competitor. And uh, Mikael Ewer was another name that was mentioned from Saunders. I don't think he had a, a brilliant season, but I still think he's a player that would 
uh, developing it add a lot to us. But if you were really, really putting me on the spot, I don't, th- I don't think I could give you a name of the player. Um, I know I obviously mentioned a couple of the guys from Trenching, but let's be realistic. Until I actually saw them in, the, in a match, I wouldn't put my hat on signing them. But I think I would agree in terms of the area of the pitch. The more important side of it for me would be a replacement for Matthias Jensen. To William Christen. Well, yeah, William Christen, well, well known for his assists and goals, you know. <laughs> No, if you could pick um, a more a more creative player, that would be it. And, and look, look, I've missed out a guy who might be able to do that job for us who's already here in Mikel Riga. We've spoken about him before that that's probably his more natural position. And I think that's what you might find that um, that we do. I think you might find that Kofod and Riga are, are the central midfield partnership. So if you're listening then, Casper, William Christ. Moving on swiftly, guys, we'd love to hear your feedback on this particular topic. Uh, any guys, especially as our obviously knowledge of Danish football uh, isn't that great, we, we tend to just obviously watch Norseland and the teams they come up against. But we're really interested to hear your own thoughts as always as to these particular players, the guys you think are likely to move on, and, and any obvious replacements. Um, so, guys, I think we're just going to call it a day um, on this week's pod. Um, I appreciate it's been a, a long time between the two hopefully that'll um, pick up again now going forward and actually we're going to try something a little bit different in the next pod that again we would love your involvement with we've spoke about one of the, the hardest things as a FC Norseland fan being the, the transfer window and, and losing players so what we'd like to do is actually take a bit of a retrospective and, and look back across the, the sort of 15 years now of FCN and, and pick um, a, sort of a dream 11 if you like now myself and Stephen and, and some of the other boys in FC in Glasgow are going to have a go at this but you have to understand that from our perspective we can only really fairly comment from 2014 onwards it would be a bit silly of us to go further back considering obviously we've never really seen these guys in the flesh so the next pod is going to hopefully involve Michael and one of the other cornerstones of FC in Glasgow uh, we're going to go through our best FC in 11s um, from 2014 onwards We'd really encourage you guys to do the same and it'll give us an interesting perspective because obviously there'll be players mentioned that we won't have seen as I mentioned before. So it'll be good to see. But the plan would be get as many people involved, voting for their best teams and then we'll try and capture an overall look as to who's the most voted for players. So keep an ear out for that, guys. And I suppose all that's left to say, Stephen, is just the usual um, outro. If you just follow us all on Twitter at FCN Glasgow. Stephen, your own Twitter? Uh, At Solshire13. And myself is at Collins underscore 876. So thanks again, guys, and we'll speak to you soon. We are FC Norseland.